This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Father, we're grateful that we get to come and, 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 and learn. We're grateful that we get to come and worship and sit in a nice building where it's air-conditioned and just worship you. And we're not worried about what's going to come in or who's going to stop us. It's a privilege, honor to live in a country where we're free. And we thank you for Texas, which is particularly free. And Father, we thank you during this night that you give me words, utterance, that speak life and strength to our hearts, enlighten us. And Father, that, our, that we're receptive, because your word's good. In fact, there's really nothing better. And so we give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, has been our text. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, none of them is without signification. To recap, we are talking about the strongest voice and what we give value, that we are giving value to the various voices in our lives. And I say various voices, the voices that influence us, the voices that have a part of our, maybe the voice of your past. I've heard people say, you know, I can still sometimes hear my mom say. I can still hear my dad say. And so there are voices in the past that have had an influence, and some of those voices can be very, very strong. And then we have voices of people in our lives who have blessed us. And that could be family, it could be a spouse, it could be loved ones, friends, people whose, whose voice has meant something to us and whose words have helped us and, and, and kind of gotten us going in the right direction. Or there have been words who have hurt us, and words who, who, who really have dinged us. And, and oftentimes, people still remember unkind words that were said years and years ago. You know, I, I've... I remember being on a, a, a church bus one time. Uh, we were coming back from a camp, and they thought I was sleeping, and I heard some people talking about me, just a couple things up, and they said some unkind things. You know, I still remember that. And uh, it's not something I, I like to meditate on, but it's something I remember. And so those voices, they're, they're still there. And I think one of the most important ones is, is the inner voice, and that's what we tell ourselves. The, the, what, how we see ourselves and, and how we talk about ourselves. And that actually is the strongest force. Now, I want to focus a little bit more on that tonight because you can, you can have so many things going for you, but if you don't see yourself in a good light, it has an impact on you. You know, they, they did, a, I recently read about a, a man who has like, they consider one of the highest IQs in the world. He's a ranch hand in, in Wyoming. He grew up in a home where he was abused, and no one believed in him. And even though he's considered one of the highest IQs in the world, he never has been able to be successful. And it's obvious that, that someone, unfortunately, shaped that image of, of how he saw himself, shaped it negatively. And so many times, people, people they, we say things and we say words, and those, those words, and this is why I, I, I think some of the biggest regrets I have as a parent are when I've said unkind things to my children or to joy, because those words can, can shape and form images. And so those are the voices. But the good news is, whether you've been abused or come up from a very negative situation or no one's believed in you, it doesn't have to be that way, because God believes in you. And what he's done in you is greater than what anyone else has done. But we have to begin to shift our minds and begin to think that way. And so 
This is, this is the, the voices we're talking about. David, who was, well, we talked about David, who had great insight uh, into, into success, very successful king, very successful leader. David, uh, David talked about who not to listen to, and he talked about ungodly counsel. He talked about people that were against God and people that were mockers. He said, these, are, these folks are not to have voice in our lives. But then he also began to talk about what we should value, the voice that should be strong. And it's Psalms, first uh, Psalm, we'll read verses two and three, because he talked about the ungodly, the sinner, and the scoffer. But then he said here, in verse two, he said, but his delight, our delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And he should be like a tree, that should be with another E, planted by the rivers of, I said, not a tree, it's a tree, <laughs> planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now there's, right there's a very interesting thing that, that God's telling us how to prosper. That word prosper uh, means, it, it don't get caught up so much in, in money, but it says to, to be successful, to deal wisely in life. You know, you can have a lot of money and not prosper in your relationships. True. Or you can have like zero money and have wonderful relationships. Say, so, well, what's best? It's best to have money and good relationships. <laughs> but, but the idea, it, it, and oh, here's just an interesting thought. If, if God didn't want us to prosper, why would he tell us how? He, he gives us the blueprint and tells us how. And so he says, your delight is in the law of the Lord. And that word delight means to incline toward. It, it's delight. It, it's a pleasure. Here's something that will help you. And, and we've, I think sometimes you, you make something legalistic out of it. And, you, and I don't ever want to make reading your Bible legalistic. But it would help you before you read your Bible just to go, man, I love to read God's word. So many times, and I, you, maybe you've said it. I've heard many people say it. You know, I just don't understand the Bible. You know, I, you know, I know I'm supposed to read it. I'm supposed to read it. Like it's a, a drudgery. That's not a delight. A delight is, hey, this is God's word. And I like it. And it helps me. And I realize I'm talking to Wednesday night. If you're watching online, you're watching on Wednesday night. So Wednesday night is, is like Christian SWAT team. <laughs> Y'all could be somewhere else. But you're here. And so, and you're watching. And so, what we're saying is, these are people often who say, you know what, I have an appreciation for God's word. And I think it would be good to say, I have an appreciation for God's word. Let's go back to that illustration I gave in, um, uh, about the, the real esteemed individual coming to eat with you. They come and sit down and eat with you. Who needs to do all the talking? You or them. You want them to talk. If, if you're a businessman and maybe one of the top businessmen in, in, the, in America is sitting down with you, how many of you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to interrupt this guy. I'm going to let him talk. You know, Warren Buffett, who is the, the, the great entrepreneur and, and investor, he, I, I think he still does, doesn't he do an eBay charity lunch where you can bid to have lunch with Warren Buffett, you and some friends? And he'll, he raises like millions of dollars. Guys go in and spend like two or three million dollars to have lunch with Warren Buffett. 
How many of I spent that much money? I am, and one of my friends was interrupting Warren Buffett. I'd be slapping him in the head going, shut, I spent millions of dollars. Let this man talk. I can hear you talk for free. I want to hear this guy <laughs> talk because he's smarter. Okay, how many believe Warren Buffett's smarter than you as an investor? <laughs> so if he's talking, I'm listening. God's word puts wisdom in us. Because guess who's smarter than Warren Buffett? God, yeah, good answer. <laughs> it wasn't a trick question. That's good. Y'all got it. He's smarter. And his word, and so instead of taking looking at his word going, oh, I gotta read my Bible, we all go, hey, I get to read my Bible. I love to read my Bible. We, uh, I, I don't know if we still do it, but um, we used to do it in one of our classes. I, we would have the class say, I love to read my Bible. And it's, it's just a good thing to say because too many times we build up these, these wrong images. But anyway, in this, in this principle, he assigns a high value, David is here, he assigns a high value to God's work because I delight in it. It's good. And to meditate in it. And I'll talk a little bit about meditation in it because David's example in Psalms is not the first time we see meditation. We actually see meditation before when God talks to Joshua. And so let's read that passage. It's in Joshua, the first chapter. Joshua, if you remember, was the guy who replaced Moses. Moses died. The Lord took him. And they, they, wasn't it Moses they couldn't find his body? Was it Moses? Yeah. So the Lord snatched him up, which is going to happen to some of us. The rapture of the church. They blow the trumpet. You say, what's your theology? They blow, I go. <laughs> say, I thought you were going to hang around for the tribulation. You can hang around for the tribulation all you want. I'm gone. <laughs> it's going to get nasty enough before the tribulation. I, Save us, Lord Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Be strong and of a good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance. God's talking to Joshua. The land which I swore to their fathers to give them, only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. There's that word again. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it, for then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How would you like to replace Moses? I mean, for those of you who, who know athletics and know coaching, you do not want to replace the legend. Someone is a legendary coach, you don't want to be the next guy. You want to be the, the next guy after the next guy because the next guy usually gets fired because he never does as good a job as the legend does, right? Moses was certainly a legend. You know, Moses with the stick, Moses with the Red Sea, <laughs> top that. Moses with the manna in the wilderness, Moses going up on the mountain, spending 40 days coming down, his face is glowing, <laughs> and you get to replace Moses. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
What a great job. That's going to be a hard job. So God's talking to, to Joshua, and he, and he told him, he said, actually, he started this. He said, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I'm like, whew, thank you. But big challenge. He had to take God's people into the promised land. And so Moses actually wasn't able to do that. You know, and I won't go into all that story. But God had a plan for Joshua. And the job must not have been easy because three times God tells him, you need to be strong and very courageous. And if he's telling him that for a reason. That means the job's not going to be easy. So you have to be strong and you have to be courageous. You've got anywhere from two to three million people, some estimate even more. That's a big job. And you're responsible for leading this group and getting them into the promised land and all the logistics and everything that's going on. That's a huge job. But then God gives him some instructions. And he gives him very specific instructions. First thing he says is, this book of the law, it says, shall not depart from your mouth. Now, what does that mean? Book of the law. I mean, so Joshua was, was going to walk around all day quoting scripture. That's all he could say. He's got work to do. They'll come to him and go, Joshua, we've got a problem down here in, uh, in the camp of Reuben. Yeah, we've got some rebels there who caused some problems. We're going to need you. Joshua just can't quote scripture. He's going to have to deal with that. So what's it mean the book of the law can't depart from your mouth? It means this. It means don't say something that's contrary to what God has said. If God said, I'm with you, then Joshua doesn't need to stand up and go, oh, I just feel like God's not with me. If God said, I'm going to help you, then Joshua doesn't need to be saying anything else. He said he needs to say what God has said. Don't let this book. So in other words, I'm not speaking out of both sides of my mouth. God said he's with me. He's not with me. So he said, you need to stay there. He said, you shall meditate in it day and night. Now, here's where I think people go, because this principle still works for us today. Don't let, the, don't let God, don't say something contrary to what God has said. God has said, you are forgiven in Christ. What should you say? But what if you feel just so bad and so guilty? And you're, you know, and you're, man, you look at me and go, Pastor, you have no idea about my past. And you have no idea how bad I've been. And you have no idea what I've done. I, you know, I'm not going to look at you and go, mm. yeah, you are a special case. <laughs> if I was as jacked up as you, I would really be nervous right now. <laughs> That's not what I'm going to say. I'm going to look at you and go, and you don't know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, which has cleansed you and washed you from all your sins. And so the idea is we ought not to be saying when the word departs from our mouth, we can speak in line. I, I've got a lot of things to deal with. I don't get to speak. I know you think I sit in my office with my eyes rolled back praying all the time and all I do is speak scriptures. People come in and I have a scripture for everybody. And I just kind of float around and angels clear the path before me as I walk through the church. Doesn't work that way. And we got stuff to do, and then there's, there's, there's this, and then, the, and then the sewer system backed up, and we got a hole over here, and we got rain coming in. I don't get to go, hallelujah. No, I get to go, handle it, Philip. Hallelujah. Then I go, hallelujah. 
but here's what I can't do. Oh my God, what are we going to do? Oh, what's going to happen? It's horrible. No, we got a phrase around here. Here's, here's one of our favorite phrases. We see challenges all the time. You know what we say all the time? The Lord's helping us. The Lord's helping us. You'll be surprised how much that helps you. You look at, you look, you look at your, your family members, you go, what are we going to do? Somebody needs to pick up and go, Lord's helping us. What am I doing? Not letting the word depart out of my mouth because he said he would never leave us nor forsake us. So we can boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. So, so what we're doing, he said, not letting the word depart from your mouth. I'm not going to speak contrary. But then he said, but then meditate on it day and night. Now here's where we go, what? I was working when I was in Bible school. I, I got a job. I was working for Dillard's. And they had me in, uh, this was many, many moons ago. When, anybody remember Hagar slacks? Sansabelt? Polyester slacks. If there was a fire, you would melt before you got out of the building. So I worked for Dillard selling Hagar slacks. And it was kind of a, it was a pretty easy job. It was a retail job. It's all I could find. I was in Bible school from 8 to 12, and then I would work from 1 to 9. And uh, that was quite, quite a schedule. And uh, they came and offered me a job in men's suits where I could sell, move up from the polyester to the real stuff. And I turned them down because I said, I'd read this first. I said, I need to meditate in the word night and day. Sounded very religious and stupid <laughs> because there's a lot more money and we didn't, we hardly didn't have enough. And, and, but I realized that I, I thought to meditate meant I was always going to have to find a quiet spot and just kind of get, you know, kind of in a position. <laughs> and then take a scripture and begin to think about that scripture with no, no one around. Try that with a house full of kids. <laughs> how do you meditate day and night? And people have read that and they go, how do you meditate? How, how does Joshua, responsible for leading two million people plus, how do you meditate on, on the scriptures day and night? I think we've got the wrong image of meditation. I think our idea of meditation is quietly sitting with our hands in the lotus position, <laughs> going home. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, you can do that. But you can't do that day and night and stay gainfully employed. So you're going to have to do something else. Well, what's it mean to meditate? The word meditate means to mutter. It means to ponder. Actually, in Genesis, we see where Isaac was in the field meditating in the field. I don't think Isaac was in the field going, hey. Isaac was in the field thinking and meditate. Now, you say, well, so you can meditate on God's word? Yeah. Because we're always thinking about something anyway. Have you ever had someone say something to you and it just really hurts you? Or maybe they did something to you and it just hurts you. And you couldn't shake it. You, you, went, you, you lied down at night, and all of a sudden those words come back. And they seem like they're just looping. 
looping, looping. And then you're thinking about it. And then you're going to work and you're, you're in the car and you're thinking about what they said. And, what they, and you're, you find yourself talking out loud, going, that's not right. That's not right. They shouldn't have, shouldn't have said that because what they, they didn't understand was I had this situation going on. And they, have you ever talked through a problem like that? I'm the, I'm, okay, I'm the only one. But have you ever gotten on that loop and it's a negative loop? And it just sometimes, it just seems like I can't get this out of my head. And it's bothering me. Anybody? Sometimes I'll wake up in the night and problems or things or things that people have said or things, man, they come back and it's like they pounce on you. And you're just going over them and over them and over them. How do you break that loop? Here's what I found has helped. This is where I, I take scripture and just begin to speak scripture. I'd sit there and go, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord, and the humble will hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. What am I doing? I'm quoting, I'm quoting verses. Jordan and I, we, we laugh sometimes because we can be walking around the house just quoting verses. Another one will go, huh? Or go, I wasn't talking to you. And so, but, but what am I doing? I'm just simply taking God's word and looping that as opposed to taking the problems and looping those. Does that make sense? Someone has said something about your child. Yeah, every time I say that, I hear people go, mm. <laughs> oh, and you can go over that and over that. And you talk about it and you talk about it. You talk about it and talk. Have you ever noticed after a while just talking about it, it's not making it any better? In fact, it's making you matter. And you were okay, but then you started talking about it again. And you started talking about it. And, and then it's like, and I want to tell you something. All of a sudden, you're talking to nobody who's in the room. I'm going to tell you something. If they said that to me again, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen next time. It's lucky I'm saved because I wasn't saved. I'll be busting some heads up in here. And that's exactly, and they're like, who are you talking to? Uh, (laughs) Nobody. (laughs) No, you were. You're talking to people and you're talking through problems and you're talking about people who aren't even there, but you're talking to them. Thank you for, there are some honest people here tonight. I can hear you. You're scattered throughout this place. (laughs) But here's the thing. If we can loop negative, then we can loop God's word. And the Bible said, if we would meditate on that, how many of you know it's going to help you a whole lot more if you've made a mistake, not to walk around the house going, how can I be so stupid, 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 stupid? But to walk around the house and go, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He has redeemed me from the curse of the law and the blessings of Abraham are on me. I am blessed and I can't be cursed on the head and not the tail. What are you doing? You say, well, Alan, that sounds, that sounds extreme. Okay. Let's go with that for a little bit. That's extreme. You realize right now for two, for almost two weeks, the world has celebrated extreme people. 
It's called the Olympics. And these people are extreme. They're extremely fit. They have extremely low body fat. They're, they are extremely healthy, and they have extreme schedules. They get up in the morning at incredible hours, and they work, and they, they do things to win a gold medal, which in a few years, very few people will even remember that they won it. True? And we celebrate them. So if they can be extreme to win something that's temporary, can we not do something that maybe other people think is extreme, and it's really not extreme, it's just different. And if it's different, and it helps us, and we're not working for a medal that tarnishes, we're working for something that's actually eternal. Because you get stronger, and the people around you are blessed. You're more Christ-like, and the people in your sphere of influence are blessed. Does that make sense? And so when we, when we talk about these things, what we have to do is we have to put different glasses on. We have to stop thinking, well, that's weird. Well, that's extreme. It's only weird and extreme because the world has gone for another way for a long time. And what, what we're saying is, instead of thinking negatively, instead of thinking about the past, instead of thinking about things I can't change, why don't I take God's word and begin to memorize that and put that in my heart and I can sing it on the way to work, I can, I can repeat it on the way to work, and it's putting life in me. David said, it, he's like a tree planted by the streams of water. That means you're not dried up. There's life flowing through you all the time. Your leaf doesn't wither, and whatever you set your hand to do will prosper. You get stronger on the inside, it's going to make an impact on the outside at everything you do. Amen. So we say, well, you know, that still sounds weird. Well, just try being weird for a little bit. <laughs> what have you got to lose? You're not, what do you, what do you got to lose? Give, give it a year. Come back to me and tell me. I meditated on scriptures for a year, and my life is a mess. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. You're going to come back and say, I want to tell you, I, I used to have a hard time going to sleep, but now I just, I just begin to quote scriptures and I go to sleep. Isn't it good to lay down and go to sleep instead of worrying about stuff? Everything he does will prosper. I think we just need to take a different look at it and go, God, you've given us your words. And here's what happens. His words begin to change even how we see ourselves. And that's powerful. Someone may have looked at you all your life and go, you're never going to amount to much. Your sister's so much smarter than you are. You're never going to be successful. You're going to be this. People have said things, and those words have dinged us, and oftentimes they've helped form an image on the inside of us of who we think we are. But God's got something better. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. And that's when we begin to take God's word, begin to put it in our heart, and it begins to change how we see ourselves. Instead of a Someone's like, well, you know, nothing ever works out for me. It's never going to be good for me. We begin to see, I'm your child. You love me. I'm blessed. I can do that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think what happens is, this gives us the ability to become the most positive people on the face of the earth because we know who redeemed us, we know where we're going. 
We know we got help. We're not alone. We know that God's working in us to will and do of his good pleasure. Man, there's a lot of good things going on. And Paul wrote, wrote uh, Philemon and said that the, your faith may become energized by the acknowledgement of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. You begin to acknowledge who we are in Christ. Man, I'll tell you something. We look good in Christ. You look really good in Christ. You may be looking at the mirror going, hmm. Mm. But aren't you glad that that's not the only image that we have to look at? That we can look at the fact that we're in him and he's in us. That's powerful. That's powerful stuff. That's what, medit that's what meditating in, in, in God's word. That's why we don't just look at the word and go, ah, I, I don't want to read that. No, it can change you inside out. And we'll talk about that next week to be continued. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? If you came this evening and said, you know, I, I, or maybe you're watching online, you go, I, I don't even know if I have a relationship with God, but I want to. Boy, that's the smartest decision you'll ever make, ever, ever. What a good one. Or maybe, maybe you're like I was. I knew the Lord and I walked away from him. What a miserable time. In your heart right now, you're not, I, I need to be back with the Lord. I, I need to be back to the one that loves me and has a plan for me. Well, I think that's a smart decision too. So we're going to pray. We're not going to have you stand up or come to the front. We're going to pray. And if you would like to be in on this prayer, say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? I don't know the Lord, but I want to. I want to be a part of what he's doing. I want him in my life, I, or I need to be back with him in my life. Would you pray for me? Just real quickly, shoot your hand up real quick. Just across this auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Thank you. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you wanted to. Yeah, I see you way in the back. Got you. If you, if you didn't lift your hand, you wanted to, pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it out loud. It's good to speak out loud. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now. I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. And with head still bowed, nice clothes. Heavenly Father, thank you. For those that responded to you, those online, those here, those who responded from their hearts, those, Father, who have stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light spiritually, and those who've come home. Father, I thank you for them. Thank you for the marvelous potential that just got birthed on the inside of them. What a wonderful thing that is. And, Father, for the rest of us, those who know you, those who've walked with you, those who still have a hunger and a desire, for you. Thank you for that. I ask that you would strengthen them, enlighten them, that they would know what is the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards those of us who believe. Thank you for working that in them. And Lord, thank you that the future for us looks bright. 
because we're with you. And you are the king of the universe, the master of everything. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.